Hello, hello. Welcome to Voices Through Avalon. My name is Katie Smith, and I'm the Director of Communications for Avalon Healing Center. Today we have a very special, (laughs) I shouldn't say guest because she's my counterpart for the podcast, (laughs) but I will be um, introducing our wonderful Sharon Fincher, our Access Coordinator. Hey, Katie. How you doing? <laughs> Good. This is so fun because normally we're interviewing other people. And yes. I, now I'm interviewing interviewing you. Yes, yes. So I just wanted to touch on um, your role here at Avalon as Access mm-hmm. Coordinator. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do in that role? Yeah, so initially, um, and this is, I believe, one of like the first positions like this period um it was created and i was hired to work specifically with underserved communities so i do a lot of like trainings and workshops and um you know uh, build relationships with with organizations that service different ethnicities and other you know other communities um and because avalon is so great and, and you know our executive director is so wonderful um, I have the ability to put a lot of input in, in things that I would like to see or really find gaps in, you know, services that we've had, that we have. And, um, I, um, I think that's been pretty, pretty cool to do. Um, you know, for example, we now have a language line, so we no longer have clients who have language barriers, um, different groups, different, um, you know, different, um, panels to, to talk about different things, different, communities to serve and and great ways to try to serve those communities to make sure everybody is is comfortable and everybody is heard and that um, we also offer trainings for our staff so that our staff is um, kept abreast of the changes that are going on within different communities and really doing our best to try to meet clients where they are and and, and especially when we have survivors that have um, different cultures and really trying to understand those cultures and, and how to best service them. I, I just want to say, you know, I, I've i worked at Avalon for almost 10 years, and I remember when Sharon was hired as our access coordinator, and you have just been so innovative and creative in your your role as access coordinator and the things that you've brought to the table for Avalon, including this podcast. Thank you. you know, this was really um, your idea. It was your baby, and, and you saw into the future how important it was for us to have a podcast so mm-hmm. that we could reach people, you know, at a farther distance. Mm-hmm. You know, we keep it very community-based. I know that's important to you because you love your community and yeah. you love Detroit, but you also understand that it's important to reach different people on different platforms that maybe wouldn't have the opportunity to to know about Avalon. Absolutely. And and shout out to our Germany listeners. Katie told me today <laughs> that we have listeners all the way, you know, in Germany. Um, you know, w- we are very community based, um, but I also feel like we're very ahead of our our time when it comes to um, dealing with survivors of sexual assault and, and really understanding what that looks like. So where we we definitely service the community, also feel that there's a need for us to um, reach as many people as possible. Um, sexual violence is everywhere, um, not just in the, in this community, but in in all communities. To be honest with you, I haven't um, personally um, interacted with anybody from any community, and, and sexual violence wasn't an issue. Um, one of the things that I was fortunate to do this year was speak um, at the United Nations. Um, about the status of women and and sexual violence and LGBTQ um, relationships. So that was really great to really address over 190 countries and really talk about 
what sexual violence is, what that looks like. Um, but what I love about Avalon is instead of just talking about what sexual violence looks like, we really work hard, work together, support each other, and brainstorm on ways to um, offer wonderful services. Think outside of the box. Not everybody wants to sit across from someone and have a conversation. So we're very innovative in other things that we offer. It could be our groups. It could be different um, events that we have. It could be um, gardening. <laughs> it could be yoga. It could be so many different things. And, um, and, and what I want people to understand is, yes, we need to talk about these things. But when you're talking about the avenues for healing for survivors, there are so many other things that we implement and that we want to share. Um, speaking of groups, can you tell me a little bit more about um, your work with male survivors and, um, you know, all the amazing things you're doing to bring attention to that? Yeah. So um, outside of Avalon, um, in, in addition to what I do at Avalon, is, is um, I'm very vocal about male survivors and, and masculine presenting people. Um, we know that over 90 percent of the perpetrators are men. But what we never talk about are the men that are affected by sexual violence. And what that looks like for them. And because of toxic masculinity and all of those things associated with that in our society, um, sometimes we make it our society makes it very uncomfortable for male survivors and masculine presenting people to talk about their traumas. So it brings me to my next point of how do we ever fix anything if we're not addressing everything? So one of the things that we've done at Avalon is really change our culture and really be inclusive when we're talking about survivors and making sure that we are identifying all survivors um, one of the things that happened in one of the groups that I facilitate poetic justice, um, really it was it was interesting and it wasn't meant to be set up this way. But there were 50% men, <laughs> there were 50% women, and there were different um, ethnicities and, and um, racial identities within that group. And so <clears throat> one of the lady survivors um, had an issue with the men being in the room um, to make a long story short, we really had discussions around men and, and their survivorship and, you know, really had very difficult conversations about why that affected her. And, to you know, to to, to bring everything up to date, that group is still very, very, very um, involved with one another. Mm -hmm. They have all formed a relationship and offer support to each other. And I think that um, even the men in that group are still participating with discussions through Avalon. Um, around men and, and what, you know, sexual violence, sexual violence looks like for them. Um, and I think that one of, one of the, the long-term goals that I've always had was when we can get men and women in a room and really have open discussions about this, I think a lot of changes will happen. And so that's what we're doing here. And so after, <laughs> I've been here almost four years, <laughs> but, you know, it's really refreshing to finally see that happen and, and, and as I suspected that it would, I see a lot of changes coming with that. I feel like that statement really speaks to your passion and ability to recognize barriers and, you know, to really put a focus on underserved populations mm -hmm. and, and how important it is to recognize their specific needs and how we can meet those needs. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm just constantly impressed by you. And, like, once again, I, I think that you're such an innovative thinker you, you think ahead you think into the future of yeah. how can we expand our services and i know that you're working really heavily on another group it's called the <laughs> survivors advisory council can yes. you tell me a little bit about that so our survivors advisory council is amazing um what we've done is we've consulted with staff 
and I'm I'm an I'm an advocate of not speaking for what someone needs. I need to be able to talk to people to see what they need. I think when we get in positions and and we've been doing work for so long and we find ourselves in you know higher positions than what we have started, we automatically think that we know what's best, right? That's not true. So what we've decided to do here at Avalon is with you know with the input of staff and recommendations from staff is to start a survivor advisory council. So this group is comprised of people who have received our services and have been with us for a pretty long time. And what we do is we meet and we talk about what their needs are and what we can do as an organization to be better for our survivors. Nobody can tell us what we can do to be better for our survivors other than the survivors, right? And mm-hmm. so we work with these with these individuals and we come up with um one thing that we do is is we're trying to teach them how to be advocates, right? Everybody is passionate about what they want to do and everybody wants to see changes, but it's a way that you have to go about it. So they're learning how to be advocates and learning how to um, use their voices and be effective in different areas. Um, another thing is we are discussing different goals or different changes that we would like to see. So um, in our last meeting, for example, they were asked to come up with something that was pretty feasible, something pretty easy. You know, that you mm-hmm. may want to change something that may be very, very hard, that may take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And there's something kind of in the middle. And when we come back together, we're going to spend half of our time really talking about um, being an advocate and what that looks like with the information that they were sent. And then we're going to start really dissecting these issues that they want to work on. Um, the long term goal is for this to be because I'm just there for support. I want them to know that this is for them. Sure. But the long term goal for them is to be able to meet with our directors and to meet with our board and really be able to talk about the changes that they would like to see and really be able to articulate effectively why they want to see these changes. And in addition to that, how this will look if these changes are made. So we're really trying to get a solid group going. Um, We have an amazing group. We have a couple of men on that advisory council. We have different ethnicities on that advisory council. And um, I'm really excited about that. This is something that we've never done before. And I'm really thankful that um, my coworkers and directors and everybody feel comfortable enough with me for me to lead that and that our survivors feel comfortable enough to um, consult with me and, and work on this project. Well, I, I just think that's amazing. I, I love how, you know, you're not just talking to them, you're empowering them to mm-hmm. make choices and decisions. That's something that we've always been focused on at Avalon Healing mm-hmm. Center is is really giving our survivors, our clients, the opportunity to make choices and really recognize the um, decisions that they're making. And I just think that that is so amazing. And I think what part of the reason that you are so you know, you're so perfect for, a, you know, the access coordinator position is you are constantly involved in so many things in the community. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you literally have your hand <laughs> in so many different groups and activities. You mm-hmm. are really out there. And I, I see how that, you know, that just makes you better, even better in your role. I know that right now you're working um, with the LGBTQ Community Council. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about that? That's very exciting. Yeah, so that council is um, through the Detroit Police Department, and, and what the goal is with that council is to um, mend the relationship. Was Well, for those that don't know, there have been, there's a history between the LGBTQ community and law enforcement. I mean, if you want to go back why Gay Pride was started, it's because of what happened in, with Stonewall back in the 60s in California at a club and the LGBT at the time, um, not really queer because queer was 
um, a derogatory statement for some. So I don't I don't put that part with the history, but it is today. Um, they got tired of it and they they rebelled against it. And, and then you had pride and it wasn't pride where it's a party. It's pride that I'm proud that I, of who I am. And you're not going to take that from me. And so that's just one instance of, you know, issues between the LGBTQ community and, and the police department. So what we do here um, and, and I'm grateful to the Detroit Police Department and, and Corporal Danny Woods, who was the liaison for the LGBTQ community, um, to really be open to community members having a voice. Um, we've actually met with Chief Craig and we've met, you know, we, we meet constantly with with other officers and lieutenants and commanders and everything else and really just talking to them about issues that the community has and them being open to listen to members of the community and what we can do to, to change that and, and really ensure the community that, you know, they can go to the police with the issues that they have because some people just don't want to report things, right? We see that all the time, even with sexual assault survivors. I'm not talking to the police. Um, so what, we, what we're trying to do is change the culture. And not only, you know, make it so that the citizens want to talk to the police, but Chief Craig has been very intentional about holding officers accountable for the mistreatment of the uh, the, this, the community members here. Um, so, you know, um, we're creating an advocacy program where we're teaching people how to be advocates. Um, so when there is um, a sexual assault or domestic violence or intimate partner violence situation with um, a member of the community. Um, the goal is to get an advocate to go out with them so that they can kind of be a liaison between the Detroit, you know, the officers and the community. But then in addition to that, have a connection with the different organizations like ours within the community that intentionally serve the LGBTQ community so that they can also get resources. Um, another thing that we're, that we're working on and, and what we hope to see come from that project is statistics. <laughs> there are no statistics about the LGBTQ community, even with some of the presentations and things that I do. I've ended up creating some statistics and being um, cited and things like that. But we're working to really have solid documentation so that organizations like ours, when we're trying to get funding and things like that, we actually have proof of the issues that we're having within the community so that it can help the organization strengthen and then provide more services for the community. So we, we do a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, I'm grateful to them for the involvement that you know that that we have and and the close-knit community that we have here um, with advocates from all different realms i feel like anytime you have a group where everybody's passionate about you know the the topic the cause whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. um great you know change that's when change happens yeah, so yeah and i yeah. know that you you know you're very passionate about your role here at avalon mm -hmm. um which speaking of i did want to go back really quick and for anybody that's you know for everyone that's listening can you tell me a little bit about how you got into your work with avalon um so i've always been a community service person um i've been doing community service since before i knew what community service was and um because of one of the committees that I was on, I learned about sexual violence and what that looks like. Um, we always knew that it was there, but I never really had conversations about it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those. Now, because people know what I do, everybody talks to me about it, you know. Mm -hmm. But before that, um, it, was just, it was something that just didn't come up. And especially in the black community, um, we don't talk about it. You know, what happens in this house stays in this house. We don't talk about different things and... 
you know, um, bringing those types of things up may make other people uncomfortable. And we don't want to do that. Right. So it was never talked about. And then because of community service work that I'd done, I came across Avalon and um, was very intrigued and very um, surprised about the work that was being done here. At the time, it was Wayne County Safe. So what I did was wanted to volunteer. And so I volunteered for like outreach where if there was a, an event or something, I would go out and and, um, and and run the table and I had to learn about the organization and the, you know, the services that were offered and everything. And the more I'm teaching people, the more I'm learning. And then I got the chance to meet you and I got a chance to meet Lori and I got a chance to meet Kim and Benita and Danielle and Florence and we could just go on and on. So when a position came up. And I read the position. I felt like it was made for me. <laughs> so it was. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, when I read the position, I was like, wow, you know, because when you're in your regular job, but you're constantly thinking about the community service work that you do and that excites you more, perhaps you need to change professions. And so when I saw that, I applied. And after what, two or three interviews, um, Kim called me and I got the call and I was really excited and I will say this is the best job that I've ever had um, in, in, in all ways. But, but more importantly, I know that at the end of my day, I'm helping somebody. I've helped somebody in some way, and that is so fulfilling. And, and when you work with an organization that embraces all of your creativity and you have people that are very passionate about the things that you're passionate about and really, you know, they want to see your ideas flourish, you want to see their ideas manifest, and you all constantly work together through sweat, tears, blood, and fury – but, you know, with all of the things that we have going on with the Institute and and, um, you know, the way that we are engaging men in conversations and things like that, it makes you feel like you are at the right place. That is beautifully put, Sharon. Um, obviously, based on this discussion, we all see you're making a lot of moves. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say it again, a lot of innovative moves. But. Um, can you just share maybe a couple things that you would like to see happen within your role? Are, are there some goals that you have this next year that, I mean, you you tend to smash your goals, but mm -hmm. I just was wondering if you have anything on the docket. Um, I, I would like I would like for there to be another department, you know, where we um, because so here's the thing. So when I got the I got this position right there there was a you know in in the description there was a list of things that you do right and and I think that all of us have exceeded those. And so we branched out and we, we're doing so many other things. We, mm -hmm. we did it Institute. We're online training. You mm -hmm. know, I'm like, we can reach people all over the world and we're doing it. And so when you have those goals and, you know, we, you, like you said, like we want to do a podcast, boom, like here we are in the foundation <laughs> hotel actually doing a podcast. <laughs> they don't seem so hard to obtain. So one of the major things that I would like to see is a department centered around what I do here. Um, because I feel like we reach a lot of people now, but if we had a team of people just dedicated to this, mm -hmm. we can reach so many people in so many other places. Um, and that's one of the things that I want to do. I feel like we have so much valuable information here. I don't want to just, I don't want to hold it. And one of the things that I love about Kim and, and what she's doing as a director is she wants to make sure that people has access to the things that we do because we're going to help people. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're not selfish with that information. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I'm excited about the outreach that we can have, not just in our community here, but just, I mean, I mean, worldwide. I mean, you had a couple of us speaking at the United Nations. So people, we have people listening in Germany. So we have people <laughs> in other places that are really interested in what we're doing. 
Yeah, I um, I I just know for me when when you came up with this idea of the podcast, and you know the fact that we're doing it together, I wouldn't want to do it with any other Aww. staff member. Like, I love doing it with you. I I feel like I learned so much from you. You have a lot of experience with podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. you have your own podcast. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you want to say something. Oh, the cat's meow. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 my other side. That's my stress reliever. So. You know, no telling what you'll hear on there. And I just know for me, I really am enjoying this aspect of my my job right now at Avalon. And I'm enjoying learning from you and learning from Michigan Creative. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Brian. Who's our, um, he's our wonderful engineer. Yeah. That helps us get the podcast going. Yeah. Um, But for now, I think I'm going to, we're going to wrap it up with the lightning round. All right. Which you know is my favorite part of the the podcast. (laughs) Um, Tell me, what is one of your favorite restaurants here in Detroit? I might have to give you three because we talk about food a lot. We do talk about food a lot. Um, In Detroit. Oh, um, the taco place on Woodward. Uh. What is it called? Oh, uh, um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Jesus. Oh. I'm going to think of it. <laughs> but it's right on Woodward. Um, that's my favorite restaurant in the city. I can't think of the name of okay, it. Wait. I'm horrible let's, with names. Let's look it up. Okay. They, they can be. Now, I have another favorite restaurant. It's not necessarily in Detroit. It's in Ferndale. It's called Calantro. Mm. But it is... Um, Peruvian. You've mentioned this place before. It's the simplest food, but it is so good. Um, You're going to take me there, right? Yes, we can go there. <laughs> yes, we we should go there. Um, every time I go get my hair done in Ferndale, I go there and treat myself to a meal. Well, you're still supposed to take me to that vegan joint, chili mustard and onion. Chili mustard. And onion. <laughs> <laughs> chili mustard onions is amazing. Um, I'm not vegan, but I will eat vegan food because um, it is good. Emo is another great great spot that mm. I love to go to. Yes. Emo because I love the noodles and. Uh, you know, when I bring when when friends of mine come in town, I try to make sure that I take them to all my places. Yeah, and good cakes and bakes. Let's not forget them. Um, You're always giving them a shout out. Oh, because they're they're place. amazing. They have supported us. Um, people don't know, but anytime we wanted to have something there, they would support us. Mm-hmm. No questions donated asked. Donated cakes to us donated for events. Ca- yeah, so absolutely have to give a shout out to them. Awesome, and the place on Woodward's Bakersfield. Bakersfield. Yes, great tacos and drinks. Uh, awesome margaritas. Yes. I can only have one margarita and yes. then I'm just done. They so. have a lot of good flavors too. Okay, great. Um, favorite song? It's called Congo by Mule LaRue. And I'm going to have to look that up. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've heard that before. I'm in, I fell in love with the song and then I looked at, so, you know, I'm, I'm into music, but, you know, I want to know the meaning behind a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so she made a song about the Congo Square in New Orleans. And the Congo Square was a place where the slaves were able to go once a week on Sunday and practice whatever religion they wanted to, dance, sing, whatever. They were free for a certain amount of time on Sundays. And so she made a song about the Congo Square in New Orleans. So on my bucket list, I have to go to the Congo Square and listen to Congo on my headphones. But then I fell in love with the song again once she... Once I learned the meaning behind it. That sounds really dope. And eat some beignets while you're down there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay. And next question. Um, what is a favorite quote that you, you love or live by? Um, uncomfortable conversations create change. Um, I, 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 always, I always say that. Mm-hmm, um, you do. People 
are starting to say it too. <laughs> you say it uh, often. Yeah, because it's the truth. But um, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Got to okay. give people a chance without making mistakes. I love that. I feel like that is quintessential Sharon. It's tattooed on my wrist. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then what brings you back to work every day? Like what motivates you to, to do this work? I mean, it's just fulfilling, you know, when you realize, I I call us all superheroes, and that's not just to toot our own horns. I think that anybody that's an advocate or an activist, um, and they really have the intention of people or helping people in mind, they're amazing. And you you have to understand that that's a privilege. Um, When you are put in those positions, you have a responsibility and you have a privilege. And when you see people walk through our doors one way when they first come in, but then they leave these powerful, amazing people. And you know you had a small hand in helping them figure out who they were. They just needed to kind of be turned and pushed in the right direction. Um, it chokes you up. Mm-hmm. You know, what else could I be doing? You know, um, you don't like to see the pain of it, but the triumph that comes from it is, like, totally amazing. And and I can't think of anything else that I would do we interview Florence and Florence is still like I don't I don't think I'll ever retire like why would I as long as I have breath in my body with all of the people that helped me in my life why would I stop helping people Sharon you're you're just such an inspiring <laughs> person and I just want to thank you for going on this journey with me thank you. creating our Avalon um I'm so excited through Avalon podcast yes we have some great things coming up I'm so excited to work with you me too and I thank you so much this was a real treat today to be able to interview my counterpart (laughs) thank you Katie (laughs) and so thank you so much for coming thanks for having me okay